2: What's going on, everyone? Tim here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that you are about to listen to a, an interview that I did with Noah Magaro-George, who is a Spurs writer and podcaster. Uh, we talked about Lonnie Walker and got his perspective. I shared, you know, here's what I'm seeing in the data. Here's what I've seen in a little film analysis. And it was really good to get his perspective as someone who has watched Lonnie Walker every single game of his career, has... Written articles on podcasts, constantly covering him and the team. So someone who's really in the trenches and saw an experienced Lonnie Walker as a player. Uh, we get into a little bit on the like personal side as well with him. Really, really great interview. Really happy to have him on. This was from July 13th. We recorded the uh, Discord uh, subscribers to the bonus pods got this, I think like the next day. So uh, if you've already listened to that a couple weeks ago, maybe this is a little refresher. Um, if not, you can just skip this one, I guess. But for everyone else listen in. Uh, this was a great, great interview. One note I'll make, uh, Noah at one point references a three point percentage number for uh, Walker, I think on spot ups that he said was like 38, 39%. That was from a couple years ago. This most recent season, he shot 35% on spot up three. So just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, otherwise fantastic time i hope you enjoy and we'll catch you next time all right and now we are welcoming noah magaro george um who you may know from pounding the rock uh, alamo city limits i believe podcast uh for for sb nation's spurs website um he's joining us to talk lonnie walker who i you know i'm still digging into the film i've posted the numbers some of it's good a lot of it's questionable and i know a lot of people push (laughs) back on me for that but you know know, i was on vacation i can't watch all the film on a guy immediately (laughs) i can certainly watch highlights and tell you what i see in highlights but like there's the data the data doesn't change no matter how long i look at it so i'll at least give that to the people and then do my more due diligence after that's why i'm I'm bringing Noah in because he's got he's got that full perspective he uh you know, I, I uh, listened to your podcast a little bit. You you said that you've done a preview or review, an opinion piece, or some other coverage of 86 of the 88 Spurs games between preseason up until the plan game. So you've truly experienced the Spurs this year. Lonnie Walker, this is your second year credential covering covering the team, third year I believe total. Um, you know, writing and podcasting about the team and. Lonnie Walker has been more than just, you know, this year, you've had him for four full seasons. And I guess I wanted to start there. What has the Lonnie Walker experience been like from a Spurs fan and analyst and and writer and journalist perspective?
1: Yeah, the Lonnie Walker experience has had some really high highs, some really, really low lows. And I think if you could encapsulate it in one word, it's just streaky. Right, He's just a guy who the flashes can be really exciting, and he has games here and there that you go, I'd really like how this guy looks. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are just too many times where he's just sort of another guy on the court. He disappears in the crowd. He's not really making an impact on either end. So, you know, a little frustrating at time, I think, for Spurs fans because they were so so high on him as they are, to be honest, with like any guy who the Spurs draft in the first round, which is fair, which is totally fair. But yeah, uh, frustrating, streaky, but fun. I think fun too. I think it would be, I would be remiss not to say at the very least, it was fun to watch him on the court.
2: Yeah. And and he seems like a good guy off the court as well. I mean, just, just trying to look at his Twitter, go through his likes, which aren't just the place to see him trashing (laughs) Greg Popovich after the playing game, but you know, also seeing, you know, he's, (laughs) In competition for the NBA's best dog dad, he's a gamer, he's done a lot for the San Antonio area. Um, you know, has has you know social justice interests as well. So it was neat to learn more about him as a person. But I guess on the court, from my perspective, some of the areas that are at least concerns for me that can make or break how impactful he could be as a basketball player with the Lakers is his three point shooting and then his defense. We've seen you know high percentages a couple of years with the three point shooting on lower volume. And then this past year wasn't good. And then with his defense, he certainly has the wingspan. It looks like he has some of the physical tools and the data hasn't translated. And I'm wondering from seeing all of the, the film, watching each of these games, like you have, where is that disconnect with him on defense?
1: I think defensively, as you mentioned, he has the tools, six ten wingspan, uh nearly 40 inch vertical. He moves his feet really well, but He's a guy who's not super physical, right? Like if guys drive into him, he's not really going to offer a lot of resistance. He stands upright. Often on defense, one of the most noticeable games where, where you will find that was maybe not last season, but the worst example is against uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. He had 42 points a few years ago. He scored 24 of those on Lonnie, and just too often, he was just standing upright, really close to Shea, not offering a lot of resistance when he drove in and. I just don't know that he's very good on ball and I'm not really sure he's that much better off ball. Like one of the things that I really pick apart with Lonnie, if we're going to be nitpicky with him is his screen navigation on and off balls, really, really poor. Like he dies on screens. He's not great. He's not awful, but he's not great at chasing shooters around screens. And so he gives up quite a few threes getting caught on screens and other guys have to make up for his mistakes. And, It's just not pretty with him. And as you mentioned, the 6'10 wingspan, he has the length, he has some of the tools, but for a guy who has the length, he has some of those, I mean, you can see it, right? But Mm -hmm. almost no deflections. I mean, really doesn't deflect the ball, not super active, doesn't really dig or stunt, you know, as a, as a help defender, it just, it, a lot of it, it just feels like he's just out there that he's just another body. So it can get frustrating with Lonnie, but I think he he was serviceable at times. And certainly he looked more serviceable this year than he did when he was asked to guard guys like Kawhi, Brandon Ingram, Shea. Like a few years ago, before this season, he spent like 300-plus combined possessions on those kind of all-star guys. And the results were really bad. They looked better this year, granted, in a much different role where he was not really guarding those, you know, star players, primary, secondary, ball handlers, just sort of another guy who they said hey you know go guard like the worst guy on the perimeter on the other team so Mm -hmm. i think the data probably shows that i'm not sure what it says but it was rough with lonnie at times on the defensive end for sure
2: yeah it's funny you mentioned that at looking at his data with our our b-ball index defensive roles he a couple seasons ago was in a wing stopper role taking on those tough matchups you look at his matchup difficulty was like an, an a or an a plus or an a minus i forget what it was but it was high and he had like one of the worst impact seasons of a wing stopper in our database of like hundreds of guys. Um, it was just too much to ask of him. And then this season, the role that he was in was categorized as a uh, low activity was the um, very polite way we worded the the name of the role where he wasn't asked to guard anyone difficult. The matchup difficulty was very low. He was less active. He was less involved around the ball and in a purposeful way is generally what we see with something like this, whether it be a bad defender or a like center of the universe, offensive guy that you just need to try to conserve defensively. And I wouldn't say he was the latter. Um, so that's, I don't know, it's, it's good to hear that what you experienced and what, what the film is showing is, is aligned with the data there now getting to his three point shooting. What do we think about that? Cause the, that has a lot of Lakers fans, optimistic, some pessimistic, I'm not sure exactly where I stand. Um, The data isn't fully buying into it. What, What are your perspectives?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: The first couple of years, I think he shot almost 40% from three over like the first two or three seasons, as you mentioned, when we started mm-hmm. low volume three-point shooter. This year, he took the most three-point attempts of his career, didn't look very good. He's been a good spot-up shooter. I'll give him that. Uh, you know, According to Synergy data, he shot exactly 40% on more than 400 spot-up attempts. I think that's where he's at his best when he has some time, completely stationary. You know, He's not creating for himself. I think that's where he's at his best. But the thing that kind of stood out for me. And I just wanted to dig through some of the data to just provide this. In 86 of the games that he played with the Spurs, he shot below 30% from three. And then in 74, he shot above 40%. And that accounts bind for 92% of the games he played with San Antonio. There really is not a lot of in-between. He's either on fire, he's missing every shot, or, you know, there's, again, there's just not a lot of mid middle ground there. So... I think he can get hot in a hurry, but I don't trust him to knock down shots. Like when I watched him shoot last season, the stroke looks pretty good. uh, The shot prep is pretty good, but the result pretty inconsistent. So I don't know if you should be pessimistic for that. I, I just think it may be wise to enter with expectations kind of tempered a little bit. And I think if any, if there's any reason for optimism, a guy like LeBron and someone like Anthony Davis, they have a lot more gravity right? And, and I think they're probably, at least LeBron is a better playmaker than DeJounte Murray was. Not that DeJounte Murray is not a good playmaker. And I think that'll afford him some better looks on the perimeter where he has more time to shoot the ball, get into rhythm. So if you want to be optimistic, hopefully that helps him, but very streaky. I think that's the one word that I'll keep going back to It's just really streaky.
2: Okay. No, that's a, that's a fair assessment. And looking at like his shot profile this past year, that's something I think is going to change. Like he his overall shot quality, considering all the shots he took, wasn't all that high, but when you look at like his shot quality at the rim, it was pretty good. When you look at his shot quality on threes, it was pretty good. It's just that he took so many mid-range shots, and he was doing so much of his damage in that area and didn't do so well with it. Um, that's an area of his game that can be promising, might be something people are excited about, but at the same time, if this next season with the Lakers were to like kind of cut out the fat in his approach and make him a more efficient player. I don't necessarily see it as being like, he, he will get higher quality threes, but it's not like he's coming from awful threes. So there's less room for growth there. I think just shifting his, pro, his shot profile altogether would be the way to get to that. Now, what I've also noticed with him in the data is offensively, we have seen a pretty big jump from him year to year over the past, I think three seasons he his uh playmaking talent metric at b-ball index grew the most of like any guard and his finishing talent grew i think like sixth most so he's grown in a couple of those areas the perimeter shooting not as much and the defense has been pretty stagnant um i would imagine like some of the things you talked about with like his defense you know being too high center of gravity too high not offering resistance that's in a short film review that i've done and I still have plenty to do. I I've noticed that as well. And some people might say, oh, it's just technique. Like they're going to fix that. Darvin Ham, Phil Handy, they'll fix that. <laughs> it's not like the Spurs have a bad coaching staff. No. Um, so I'm not as, you know, excited about the defensive, you know, him suddenly putting it together on that end, but offensively, he has been rising. He has been improving. What have you seen from him on that end that, that you think Lakers fans should look forward to?
1: Yeah, I think year in and year out, he's gotten better as a pick and roll ball handler. The numbers will show that every single Mm -hmm. year. And this year was his best year. I think he was above average in Synergy's uh, database for pick and roll ball handling as a score. But I think he also has some real juice as a playmaker. He's an advantage creator. He's got an elite first step. He can get two feet in the paint pretty much whenever he wants. And you've slowly seen him to go from, you know, I'm forcing shots at the rim. I'm not finishing at the rim to... He's mixed in some playmaking. He can drive and kick. He can make really, I mean, flashy. It gets you off your seat kind of passes like shovel passes or wraparounds or even little dump offs midair to guys waiting in the dunker spot. Like he's fun. He's a fun guy. He's gotten better. And even though he wasn't super efficient from mid range last year, he's slowly, you know, you can see him getting to his spots more often and not just settling to, I need to get to the rim. I need to get to the rim because you look at it and he's only finished. 52% 52% of his shots at the rim since coming into the NBA. And that's just in the half court. He's been a little bit better in transition, but honestly just a guy who if he can put things together, and this is something that Spurs fans have been saying, you know, forever and analysts, like if you put it together, if he puts it together and that's what I'm worried about, right? Like, does he mm-hmm. ever put it together? He's so quick. He's so fast. You would expect him to be a better cutter, a better relocator, better in transition. And kind of year in and year out, he's been a little bit disappointing in all of those aspects. So I'd love to see him again, kind of playing with people who have more gravity, who, as you mentioned, let him kind of change his, his shot diet a little bit, become more efficient, because I think instead of looking at him through a lens that Spurs fans sometimes saw him as next guy up, you know, to be the next face, possibly of the franchise to he's just a role player. And I think he can be a really good role player, but it's about putting it together, especially on the defensive end I don't really worry that much on the offensive end but defensively he has a lot of work to do Mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah he's got a lot of work to do he'll have plenty of opportunity offensively to get good shots so you know the situation should be in his favor it's funny you mentioned he hasn't been able to put it together I had a lot of people link me to a Nakias Duncan article highlighting his game you know his play last season late last season and I read it and it was like the first like two paragraphs are like, this guy has never really put it together. But for (laughs) these six games, it was a six game sample. He was kicking butt. And I was like, come on guys, six games is what we're, we're getting excited about here. But when it does happen, when all those stars align, you know, he can, he can really get it going. So I can understand that experience, how that can be frustrating. And, you know, from a fan perspective, you want these guys, you're investing draft capital into Pan out. And you, you, when you see those flashes, you start to rationalize and talk yourself into like, all right, well, (laughs) if they do just align. But when you're doing that year after year after year and it's not happening, like eventually it it might be time to cut ties. And that's what uh Damien, your podcast partner at Alamo City Limits, that was his stance on on Lonnie Walker this offseason. Was he didn't even name a price point, he just said, I want to cut ties. (laughs) Can you I'll give you an opportunity to explain your own stance on Lonnie Walker. How did you feel about him leaving? Was there a price point you wanted him back? Was it just time to move on? Like, what you know it, it, it is you know kicking his butt on the way out. Like, what? What are your thoughts there?
1: I like Lonnie as a human being. I think he's a phenomenal person, and I think he works hard to get better. But I don't think he had a future in San. We had started to kind of talk: is Lonnie being phased out of the rotation midway through the season? And I know Nakias had written about it, right? That six game stretch on the rodeo road trip. It looked really good. Six games became seven games. And then it just sort of tapered off and he got injured. And i the more I looked at it, I just went, they have Josh Primo. They have Trey Jones. They have Devin Vassell. At the time, they still had DeJounte Murray. And who knows what they're going to do in the draft because Brian Wright has pretty clearly just gone best player available regardless of position. And it just felt like, really not just for the benefit of the team, but also the benefit of his career, it probably made the most sense to move on from him. So I was on board with them moving on from him, not because I don't like him, not because I don't think he's a good player. It just felt like San Antonio was not necessarily the place for him. And I'll I'll leave kind of on this note with my thoughts there is that Lonnie always felt like a guy who really kind of needed to be coddled a little bit by the coaching staff. Like he responded better to, positive reinforcement than you know being yanked off a court you know getting chewed out being benched being sent to the g league like when those things happened you tended to see lonnie like hang his head he would stop shooting the ball he you know he you could see it from his body language that he just really wasn't there mentally anymore in the game and so Hmm. love pop i love the coaching staff but i don't know if their approach was necessarily the best approach for lonnie and so i just feel like Lonnie getting to start new with another franchise that probably is what's best for him. I mean, and, and I hope the best for him. I hope he does really well with Los Angeles.
2: Well, that's great feedback. We don't have any stats on, you know, hanging your head or or (laughs) things like that. So, so being able to share that kind of that kind of perspective is really valuable. Thank you, Noah, for joining us. Um, I think this gives us some great background on Lonnie Walker and we'll, you know, get to experience him together as a Lakers fan base, everyone. (laughs) So we'll see how he ends up looking, but this gives us at least the starting point and, and, you know, we'll see what they can develop from there, what they can grow, but it's good to know what you're, what you're coming in with. And, and that way we can appreciate the growth if it's there. And we can also set maybe more realistic expert expectations for (laughs) what we will see moving forward. So thanks again, Noah. And we'll, we'll let, is there anything you'd like to shout out before you sign off?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. You can find our Spurs podcast, Alamo City Limits, and you know read some of our Spurs words at Pounding the Rock. But again, thank you so much for having me. Had fun talking about Lonnie. And again, just really hope he, he has a good season with him. I'm wishing the best for him.
2: Awesome. Thanks, man.